motto, our vision, our branding, whatever you want to call it. A real church for real people seeking a real God. And folks, I'm going to tell you this morning, praise and worship, it just ministered to me, especially that song, Isn't the Name of Jesus Wonderful? Beautiful, powerful. It's all we need. That just ministered so great in my spirit. And all of this together is part of seeking God. But we're not going to play around and be able to seek God any time at all. Let me tell you something, folks. Seeking God, being a real person, and being in a real church is a full-time job. We don't take time off. We don't go on vacations from it. You know, we don't work a 12-hour shift and then do something different. This is a lifetime occupation. And, and see, true Christianity, I want you to get a hold of this statement, true Christianity has no regrets. I was born again on April 2nd, 1969, and I have not regretted one minute of being a Christian. Even though a few months after I was saved in California, and I came back to Alabama, down at Holly Pond, Alabama. Y'all know where Holly Pond is, don't you? Okay. That's over at Holly Pond, they ask, you know where Lake Hunt is. So anyhow. <laughs> Big oak tree out there right in downtown Holly Pond, as much a town as there is. And we'd always gather under that tree and tell our filthy jokes and drink our alcohol and all of that kind of stuff. And I had I'd come back and the Lord had called me to preach and, uh, a few months later. And one night I had gone to a church and for a revival and I had come back. It was pretty late at night. And I pulled up earth. The old gang was all around the tree. All of them, you know. And I walked up and and one, one guy come and said, here's your beer. I said, I don't want one. Why? I said, I don't drink that stuff anymore. Oh, you got all religious. I said, no, Jesus is Lord of my life. And they laughed at me. I got back my automobile and left. You know, I still did not regret being a Christian, even in the face of my friends saying that kind of thing to me. There's no regret. No, no looking back. No wishing it would be different. None of those things. Christian, the true Christian does not regret living a Christian life. And see, here's the thing about it. The, the true, true Christianity is not a boring, never-get-to-do-anything lifestyle. You talk somebody out of committing suicide, buddy, that is exciting. You lay hands on somebody and see them recover, that is exciting. You present the gospel to somebody that seems like they've never heard it before and they make Jesus Lord of their life, that is exciting. And the feeling that I get in praise and worship and when I'm in His presence. I, I, I came over here this week and just sat down right here. Right on this. And there's nothing sacred about this spot. But I sat here and, and I just was worshiping the Lord and I began to sing. I, I began to sing Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. We'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. I began to sing that and it began to get in my spirit. And then I got happy. I got excited. And, and there's nothing. There's nothing that, that you can do to replace that kind of thing. Never get to do anything. Hey, man, let me tell you something. When I got saved, my want-tos began to change. <clears throat> There's a lot of things I wanted to do and did do without any reservation before Jesus came into my life. But my want-tos began to change. I didn't want that 
alcohol anymore. I didn't want that drugs anymore. I didn't want the filthy stories anymore. I didn't want none of those things. I didn't, because I, I, now that my want-tos are changing. Never get to do anything. True Christianity is the greatest adventure ever lived. It's a great adventure. You remember a few years ago, uh, wasn't it Michael W. Smith that had the song about the great adventure? How that, that whenever we uh, live for him, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Somebody on the radio had it, okay? And I thought, life is a great adventure when you live it with Jesus Christ. It's new, wonderful every day because let me tell you something. When I was in the world, the devil never said, my mercies are new every morning. But when I made Jesus Lord of my life, one day I found a scripture where God said, son, my mercies are new every morning. You know what that tells me? That tells me regardless of how bad I miss it today, and sometimes I do miss it and sometimes I miss it bad. You don't know what I do sometimes I miss it? I ain't telling you. <laughs> I'll play this game. You tell me your sins and I'll tell you mine, but you go first. <laughs> but when, I, when those kind of days has come on and, and it seemed like everything I did that day just went south, you know what I'm talking about? I love going to bed because the next morning His mercies are new all over again. Let me go on. I, I, I don't know. I'm just full of the Lord this morning. Y'all have to bear with me today. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Romans, we'll get to our Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. You think, now what has this verse got to do with being real people or being a real Christian? Well, I, I'm glad you asked that question. Because I want to try to take a few minutes to help you understand. And, and I don't, all of these, let me tell you, every scripture and every point that I'm going to give you this morning, I could preach a series of messages on each one of them. Aren't you glad I'm not going to do that today? You know, we'd be here for campfire supper <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> what it buzz light, your infinity and beyond is what we would be. But, and I don't want to get into the, theological implications of this verse because it's been so misunderstood, misused, abused, traditionalized, theorized. And all we got to do is believe it for what it says. And it says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those that are qualified. What do you mean qualified? They love the Lord and they're called. That makes all things work together for your good. If, you're not, if, you're not, uh, if you don't love the Lord and you're not called into His kingdom, then this don't apply to you. Sorry. But if you love the Lord, you, you qualify. But see, I, I just did this verse to get your attention and get through your through our religious, I said you're through our religious thinking for just a minute because I want to get to the next verse. It says, it, it says that for whom he foreknow, he did foreknow. That means that God in his foreknowledge knew everything. He knew that you and I well, one day, and people say, you, you better watch it, preacher. You sure are getting in dangerous grounds. When you, my daddy used to do that to me. He'd say, son, you better watch it. You're getting on dangerous ground when you start talking about this foreknowledge and predestination. And I'd tell him, daddy, there's nothing dangerous about it. God's always known since before the beginning that this time was going to be here this day like this at this time, and we were going to be here, and he had a plan for us. He's always known that. He's known every step of my life. He's known the, the end from the beginning. And, and there's nothing I do that surprises God. Think about that. 
You mean, even when I messed up, it didn't surprise him? No, it disappointed him, but it didn't surprise him. Because we got a choice. We got a choice not to do that. But listen, those who he foreknew, he also did predestinate, predetermine. This is, this is my plans for those that come to me. These are my plans for those that accept the death, burial, and resurrection of my son. This is my plans for those. And listen, of everything that you do, people say, I want to know what God's will is. God's will for everyone is right here. If you're a child of God, it is to be conformed to the image of His Son. That we might be the first, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. The Amplified Bible says to share inwardly His likeness. His likeness. That's, that's my goal. When I talk about being a real person or a real Christian, we, we all think about people that we can model our life after. Well, can I tell you this? There's things in my life that I wished you would do. Can I tell you also? There's some things in your life I wished I could do. But I'm not modeling you. I'm modeling Jesus Christ. Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And Paul said, if I'm not following Christ in an error, don't do that. Don't do that. If I'm not following Him, don't act that way. Don't do that. Leave me in my misery. Don't join me. But in everything you see that I'm following Christ, follow me in it. Follow me in it. Now, He's determined that you and I should come to the image of Christ. Being in the image of Christ and endeavoring to be there is what makes us a real Christian. And see, we, we misunderstand this. People, like I said last Sunday, they say, well, I'm just trying to be real. And, and I want to be real. But there's a lot of people that's wanting to be real that are fake about being real. You follow what I'm saying? Because they think if they miss it, then they can just pass that off and say, well, you know, I'm just human and we're going to make mistakes. Is that your goal in life? Let me, let me ask you this. A senior in high school, they know they've got to pass every class to graduate. And they go in there and they start taking classes, they start taking tests, and then after a while they say, you know, all I am is just a person. What do they expect out of me anyway? I can't pass all of these tests. I can't do all of this. And then they start passing things off like, well, I'm just ignorant and I can't. I can't learn. No, 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 listen. We're not that way. Sure, I'm in a human body. Sure, there's a fleshly nature that appropriates itself sometimes. But you remember last week we talked about there in Romans chapter 8, it says that whenever I follow after the Spirit and mind the things of the Spirit, I'll do the things of the Spirit, which is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith. I'll do these things. But if I get to thinking this old fleshly-minded stuff like, well, I'm only human and I ain't going to make it, you know, and, and I'm going to fail sometimes, and I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, and I'll never be nothing different than what I am, then, folks, we're going to end up being defeated, and I don't care how humble you make that sound, it's fake. Now, if you're, if you're not a Christian, then you are a sinner. I mean, I don't know what else to say. You know, there either there's, <laughs> there's is and there ain't. <laughs> either you is or you ain't. There's no in-between. 
Alright? Now, I want to be a real Christian. I want to get above being just a real person. I want to be a real Christian. I want to set my eyes higher than just human nature and a human being on this earth. I want to set my eyes on Jesus. And there's some things I wrote down. Like I said, each one of these I could uh, preach a, a series of messages on. But I'm going to try to bring you four things that I, that I limited this to today. And, you know, we'll see what God has in time to come. Number one, have you ever heard people say, well, I don't care what people say about me. I'm just going to do my way. I don't care what they say. A real Christian, listen to me, a real Christian cares about what people think about them. They do. Now, I'm going to say this. As far as me being a Christian and my relationship with God, I don't care how people label me and what they say about me. Peter said something like this. He said, if you suffer persecution, that's talk and the way that people talk, he said, be sure you do that, not as an evildoer, because if you're an evildoer and people talk about you and you're trying to be a Christian and you're doing evil and they talk about you, they're justified in what they're saying. But if you're doing good and people begin to put you down, then that's for the glory of God. What did he say in Matthew chapter 5 when he talked about the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. For great is their, your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets. And it's going to happen. I, you live a Christian life. People are going to spend time talking about you and putting you down. But be sure it's because you're living a Christian life. Not being a real fake or a fake real, whichever way you want to say it. Don't, don't let it be because of that. Well, you say, well, Pastor, we all make mistakes. We do. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you're going to live here today perfect. I wish I could tell you that, that you'd walk out of this door today after this message and you would never sin again. I'd love, you know, and that's a goal that we ought to be setting. Nowhere in the Bible does it say sin some. God knowing our nature says this, He said, sin not little children, but when you sin, if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ the righteous. And, and, and when it comes, He's made a way to get rid of that and to overcome it. But listen, in the meantime, I need to care about what people think about me. And the way I do that is that I watch my life. I'm not, I don't want my wife watching my life and pointing out little nitpicking things. And sometimes that's okay. But I want to watch my life. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he gives some qualifications here that, that we need to use for things that we do. And first of all, he, he says in, in these scriptures, well, I, I, I passed one, First Corinthians chapter 8, let's look at this one first, Bo. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 said, But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours, this freedom, this grace that we have that, that I can just do anyway and it be okay, let it not become a stumbling block to them that are weak. We've got to be concerned about other people. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 23, he says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. That word edify there means to build up. There's a lot of things that's okay. But here's the first thing I need to ask about these things. How's this going to affect my life? How's it going to affect my witness, my testimony, my relationship with God? This thing that maybe there's not a scripture laid out that says, Thou shalt not. 
but it's things that, that's commonly accepted by society, commonly accepted even by the church in a lot of situations. But yet, there's something inwardly that says, mm, no. See, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with us. It's this thing I'm going to do, this movie I'm going to watch, this music I'm going to listen to, this book I'm going to read, this joke I'm going to tell, these folks I'm going to be around. All of this, is it going to build me up any? If going to a ball game tires me down, I don't need to go to a ball game. And you know what? I've, I've learned how to sit at a ball game and be quiet. I got in trouble with Michael, and I'm not going to do that anymore. He said he fell in love with me because I told that umpire he sure was missing a good game. <laughs> but I, I've learned how to go... And be quiet. And the reason that I can do that is because I sit by my wife and she's not quiet. <laughs> I just let her do it for me. Now, no. she's just encouraging the team to go and let's go on and, and go. But what I'm saying is this. If what I'm going to do, and, and this is something we need to, to, to qualify things with in our life, is this going to affect my relationship with God because I'm more determined and concerned about my relationship with God than I am anyone else? I believe this, though. If I can keep my relationship with God right, I can keep my relationship with you right. See, he said, love God, then love your neighbor. But then he didn't stop there. He said, uh, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Now we're pulling other people into this equation. Whatsoever sold in the shambles, and he's talking about things offered to idols here. Whatsoever sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. I mean, some of these, and I'm not trying to be politically incorrect or correct or, you know, or labeling or anything like that, but some of these restaurants from different nationalities that we eat in, folks, you, we don't know what's going on with that. That's the reason you better offer thanks for it so it'd be cleansed and purified by the giving of thanks in the Word of God. Right? That's all I'm going to say about that. Whatsoever sold in the shambles, that is, asking no question for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But if any of them that believe not, get a hold of this, if any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, whatsoever set before you, ask no question for conscience sake. In other words, just eat it and go on. But if any man say to you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols. Eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. Of the other. For why is my uh, liberty judged of another man's conscience? In other words, why should another man's conscience have to judge what I'm doing? And it's saying this, that whatever I do, say, go, talk, whatever, I need to be concerned about how that's going to affect my brother, especially the weaker brother that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. The weaker brother. You see, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't claim to be strong, but as pastor, I guess as pastor I'm supposed to sort of occupy spiritual level above everybody else. Whether I'm supposed to or not, it seems like that's the lot that's fallen on us pastors. But I do want to be an example. But I've got to be concerned about how I conduct my life. Not that I want to be self-righteous and look down and say, Now, Gary, 
you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I want my life to be to where that what I do won't be an offense to him. Cause, see, that word offense means to stumble, cause to stumble. I don't want that to happen in my life. And, and I'm going to tell you something, folks. At the best, sometimes people are going to get aggravated at you. They're going to fuss at you. They're going to complain about you. They're going to grumble about you. But you've got to be sure that you're not doing anything that would offend a weaker brother. So you need to ask them, here, God, how's this going to affect my relationship with you? And how's it going to affect my weaker brother? If they see me go see this R-rated movie that they know there's a bunch of stuff in, how's it going to affect them? Sure is quiet in here this morning. For if I by grace be a partaker, verse 30, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And here's the third thing. Is this thing I'm going to do in my life, it may can benefit me and it might not offend my brother, but is it going to glorify God? Well, that'll put a quench on a lot of stuff that so many of us do. Is it going to glorify God? You say, Pastor, you're putting us under legalism by all this. No, I'm not. I'm trying to help us understand. Let me tell you something. Where you work, no doubt there's a set of rules called safety rules, right? Guidelines. If you operate a piece of equipment, there's guidelines for that piece of equipment that you need to go by. And if you'll follow these rules on that thing, then you'll end up coming home with all your fingers and toes and your head and everything else, you know. You'll end up doing that. You'll end up, uh, you know, if you'll do what it says, and I know they got some crazy rules, but if you do what it says, it protects you and it helps you. It's what they're designed for. And these things, when we talk about them like this right here, folks, it's not to bind you down, but it's to help you. Do you know they feel like that in the long run you'll be more productive if you follow their safety rules and techniques than you will if you go at it on your own? and end up getting hurt, losing three weeks off the job, and then look at all that you've got to promote and come back and make up for. So these things that we talk about like this are designed to help us to be more fruitful, more productive, not to bind us down. Listen, I found out a long time ago, God's way is better than my way, and if it don't work God's way, it's not going to work at all. It's not going to happen. So what I'm doing, is this going to glorify God? My attitude in worship, is it going to glorify God? Think about that. I was driving down the road the other day. Glad there wasn't no police around. All of a sudden, I found myself doing 70 and 55. I just, the Holy Spirit checked me, and I looked down and saw that. And I'm going to tell you what the Lord said to me. I said, I wasn't in a hurry. There was no place I had to be, and all of that kind of thing. I just was doing it, and we all do that kind of thing, don't we? John law says 55. Well, I don't see no reason why we can't go 70. Well, that law says 55. You know what the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said? I'm not glorified in this. Forgive me, Lord. Slowed me down as quick as I could to 55. Why? I, I want God to be glorified in my driving. I want God to be glorified in everything I do. Preacher, you're just taking that too far. No, listen. He said, whatever you do. Isn't that what it says? Whatsoever you do. 
And you're doing something all the time. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let it glorify Him. Then there's a fourth thing. How's this going to affect my church relationship? What's it going to happen whenever I do this or that and, and stuff comes of it and I tell people, I go to church down at Victory Fellowship. What kind of shadow is that going to cast on the church? Folks, if you don't think it's not important what people think about you, then you're not being real in your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with other people, and your relationship with the local church. It does matter. But here's the thing about it. There's grace. I can forgive myself. There's grace. Other people can forgive me. There's grace. God can forgive me. And I'll tell you something else. There's grace. The church will forgive you too. Because there's grace for all of these things, and God will take care of it. Hallelujah. Man, I spent more time on that than I intended. But I gotta I gotta come to this one thing right here. Real Christians love at all times. Love at all times. Proverbs seventeen, seventeen. It says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born out of adversity. And I want you to notice something here in this verse. A friend loves at all times. I had a fellow tell me last night that he had a friend that died sometime back, and he said, I would have died for him. Now that's the love for a friend, isn't it? But he takes it further. He said, now, a brother is born out of adversity. How many times do we see somebody miss it, somebody have trouble, somebody have problems, and and we just sort of, well, I just don't want to get mixed up. I don't want to get involved in that. A real Christian wants to help. He said, when you see your brother overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual restore such one in the spirit of meekness. But see, well, you know, I'd just rather not get involved in it. You don't have a... I'm, I'm here, I'm putting you under legalism. You don't have a right if you're going to be a Christian to walk around somebody that's hurting and down and in despair. You don't have that luxury. There's things you can do, a good word, an easy word, a prayer, something to help somebody. But listen, we're not to leave people, especially fellow Christians, wallowing in their misery and their agony. We're to help them. Real Christians reach out to help. Fake Christians reach out and laugh and put people down. And not just our brethren. You know, he's called us to love everybody. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, he said this, You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Now, he didn't say it's been written. He said you heard it said. See, that's not written in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it said, you're to love your neighbor. Religion put in and hate your enemy. Like a, religion's done a whole lot of things in this day and time. But listen to what he said. He said in verse 44, Love your enemies, those that are against you, those that you're not on their top ten list, okay, Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be children of your Father which is in heaven, for he hath made his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. In other words, folks, if all we love is this handful of people in our church this morning and nobody else, we've not accomplished, well, we've accomplished something but not what we need to accomplish. What 
when we will fulfill the law of love is when we get beyond loving us and start loving out there. Everywhere we go. Loving those. Praying for those. Blessing those. That's when we're going to begin to fulfill what James says in James chapter 2, verse 12, the royal law. We'll fulfill that royal law. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans the same. So the publicans is ones they considered the right sinner in that day. But a true Christian loves at all times. And if I find myself waning in my love, then I get in the Word of God and I begin to build myself up in love. And, and see, that. See, I told you I could preach a series on this. Another one. Can I give you another one real quick? A, a real Christian believes what the Word says regardless of the circumstances. See, people that are trying to get around and, and make shortcuts and get around everything, they, these people... They're, they're always making excuses for the Word, and they got a lot of yeah buts. Yeah buts. See, a yeah but means, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but let me tell you what happened to me. But let me tell you what happened to somebody else. Well, I, I tried that, but it don't. Yeah, I know the Word's right, but... No, listen. There's no yeah buts in the Word of God. None at all. See, here's something that I, I, I think about a lot. He talks about separating the sheep and the goats. The sheep. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And he made that very plain that he said sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they do follow me. He never once said, my goats hear my voice and they follow me. Never did. Even though if Jesus spoke to a goat, I know that goat's going to follow him, but, but follow me here and there. And he said, separate us as a sheep from the goat. They would separate them. Why? Because they, would, they, could, they could take the sheep anywhere they wanted to go, and then the goats would follow. Because they just that way. And goats, a lot of times, folks, whenever we get to this point to where we yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, we're nothing but goats. And goats are good for nothing but to butt and blatant and stink. So I want to believe the Word of God regardless of the circumstances. John chapter 8. Verse 31 and 32 says, And Jesus, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in My Word, then are you My disciples indeed. You're My followers. You're the ones that's right there with Me. And listen to this promise. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. I can believe the Word of God regardless of the circumstances. Why? Because the truth makes me free in death. I was telling a brother of mine, Brother Tim Parrish, and y'all y'all remember Tim. He he told me the other day that they did an MRI and the doctors gave him a bad report. And they said that he had fluid in his lung and a mass on his backbone and said that woman used the C word and I didn't like it. And I said, well, Tim, you know we believe you're healed by the stripes of Jesus, brother. He said, I know that. I said, what that doctor told you was a fact as far as they know. Is a fact. But it's not the truth. The truth is that you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. See, it may be a fact that you sin some sometimes, but the truth is you're a child of God, born again in the very image of Jesus Christ Himself. The truth is, the fact is you may lose sometimes, but the truth is you're more than a conqueror through Him that loves you. Folks, I'm telling you, 
when, when we'll get a hold of the Word, it makes no difference what the circumstances is. It makes no difference what the facts are. We take the truth, and the truth makes us free. How, yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. I got one other. <laughs> a real Christian is endeavoring to set aside and overcome sin in their life and not make excuses for it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. See, I mentioned that earlier, and I told you we'd come back to it. Hebrews chapter, that's the song I said over here. I don't know how it went. I just was sitting here thanking the Lord that Jesus, that Jesus was the author and finisher. And I remember this, Brother Stan, the author and finisher. He's the one that gives me faith to begin with and finish it by sticking around to see to it that it comes to pass when I believe. Whew, that got into me. But listen. He said, seeing we're compassed about with, with so great a cloud of witnesses. Listen to what he said. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the races before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the cross, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, listen. I thought about this. Hallie and Ariana, they, they run cross country. Now, if you don't know, normally that's 3.1 miles. And uh, isn't that what they call 5K? Yeah. Uh, I remember one time we had some folks in the church that was talking about running a 5K in Huntsville. And I said, I ran a 5K last year. They said, you did? I said, yeah, it took me three weeks to do it, but I got it in. <laughs> Walked more than I ran, but I, I made that 5K. But, it, but here's what it's going to say is this. They've got a track uniform that they wear that allows them freedom to where they can run and move. And, and uh, back last spring, they started in the wintertime running track. Well, at least it was cold. And I remember those people out there at track, they had uh, a, a suit on, sweat, like sweatpants and a sweatshirt. But you know when they started to run, they lost all of that? They laid it aside. Can you imagine one of them out there saying, I'll just use Ariana for example, because she run the, the first leg of the full before 100 and did a good job. Their, their team ended up being state champions, didn't you, Ariana? Yeah, okay. Anyhow, let me tell you. Can you imagine one of them saying, uh, Coach come around and saying, come on, get those sweats off, you need to run. Uh, Coach, I, I, I like wearing these sweats. Yeah, but you can't run as good with those sweats on. I, I like wearing them. You know, they're fashionable. They're style. It's in. Everybody likes them. You know. They're okay. Coach, you don't understand. They're going to hinder you from running. And you're not going to be able to run and, and, and get the start like you need to. And they're going to hinder you from doing But, Coach, you don't understand. And, and the coach looks at him and says, you don't understand. You're fixing to lose. This race, because you're not willing to lay aside what's hindering you from running the race. Folks, we're all involved in a race. But whenever we'll begin to do what he said, we lay aside every weight, the thing that we know that's hindering us in our relationship with God, the thing that's hindering us from moving on, and most all of us have something that we keep going back to because he talks about the sin which does so easily beset you. You know what he talks about? That thing that 
other places in the Bible calls iniquity, which is the thing that just keeps coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up to the point to where you don't even recognize it as a sin no more. It don't seem to bother you that you do it, that it's there, that it goes on. It's just okay that it's there. And, and well, you know, and God forgive me for it anyway. But he said, lay those things aside so you can run this race. Let me tell you, when we do that looking unto Jesus, we got a head start. Get a hold of that. Can you imagine if they took Thoughtful's cross-country track team and took them a third of the way down the course and said, when the gun goes off, y'all got a head start? Listen, when we begin to lay aside the things in this life that are, that are hindering us, and, and as we go in this life and, and we know that things is not right, we begin to lay those things down as we draw closer to Him, look to Him, and these things fall off. Folks, we have got a head start. What did the Lord speak to us at the beginning of this service? I've already been there, and I'm coming back to help you. Mm. I've already walked through that valley, but I'm coming back to hold your hand. I've already walked through that sea, but I'm coming back to pick you up and walk with you. Walk with you. When we look unto Him, He's with us. He's running with us in this race. We're looking to Him, and He's, he's there lifting us up and helping us. And, and the, the closer we get to Him, the more these things fall off, and, and they begin to get out of our way, and we put them aside. we got a promise. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and this is my last scripture, 2 Peter chapter 1, but rather, verses 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That tells me that looking to Him, letting Him be the author and finisher of this thing, letting Him be the one that starts the gun and the one that flags me across the finish line and is there. Listen, He's not only shooting the gun for me to start, He's running with me every step. He knows the course. He's already been through every bit of it. And we have these promises, divine promises, God's divine power. And He's given me everything I need to run this race, to live this life, and to be a true Christian. Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. You remember the scripture we read, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, about 35 minutes ago? You remember that scripture? For those who He foreknew, He also did predestine to be conformed to the image of Christ. I want to follow His example, don't you? Can't lose. Can't lose. And in faith I receive the things that I believe and I ask for. Why? Because I'm looking to the one that gave it to me. I'm walking in that. And I'm living a life that I could look at a weak brother and say, come on, this is how this has worked for me and I want to share it with you. You can follow this. And you love it. Regardless. I could go on and on. Y'all stand with me just now. Father.